Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. I believe God has brought me here today to remind us, or to at least remind some of us, it's time to wake up. We can't settle down in complacency and comfort, even though that is our tendency. I love the past, but we live for the future. We celebrate what God has done. We celebrate where we've come from in order to prepare us for what God is doing, for what he does. We can't live in the past. We can't go backwards. We can only move forward. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. From Calvary Church, Colorado, this is Abounding Grace. Thanks for dropping by, and you picked a good day to join us as we'll be starting a new series with Pastor Ed Taylor called Loving the Past, Living the Future. Ed, we're entering into our 20th year of ministry here at the church, and the Lord has laid something on your heart that you'd like to share with our listeners. Can you give us a preview of what's to come in the days ahead? Larry, this is an exciting series of messages that I'm very encouraged to share with our Abounding Grace listeners. They were very powerful in stirring up love and good works in our church here in Aurora. And basically, we're going on a journey. First, we're going back a little bit to be reminded of the foundation of our church, of what we've been building upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, our vision to win, disciple, and send. And then the journey continues with the importance of staying flexible. You know, Pastor Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa taught us that blessed are the flexible, for they will not be broken. And that is something we've picked up over the years because we don't want to become rigid and immovable. Well, today we would speak of being open to change, or like Jesus said, new wine is poured into new wineskins, and so that both are preserved. And I believe the Lord used these Bible studies, and they're going to u- He's going to use them in your life to stir up love and good works, that we love the past, and we do, and I appreciate the foundation upon which my faith is laid, dating all the way back to Jesus Christ, but especially within my fellowship family known as Calvary Chapel. We're a part of a rich history of ministry and dedication to Jesus that that emerged during the Jesus movement, but we're also living the future. We love the past, but we live the future. Lord, what do you want to do today? The good old days are ahead of us. And then finally, the journey ends in a message on evangelism. How do you share the gospel? What is the gospel? And how can we permeate our communities with the love of Jesus Christ? It's going to be great. Stay tuned and be sure to give us feedback and be sure to be in prayer for us and as we pray for you. God bless you. Thanks, Ed. So with that as a backdrop, let's get into the study now. Take your Bibles and open them to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we'll pick up in verse 20 there in, in a little while, but this topical message is entitled, Loving the Past but Living for the Future. Loving the Past but Living for the Future. You know, it's been said that every church ends up somewhere, but some churches end up somewhere on purpose. 
And it's good to be reminded that God wants us to live our lives with purpose, or there's a word that's being used today, with intention, or that we intentionally do things with focus and purpose. And we want to end up where God wants us on purpose. Really, we want to end up where God wants us as a church family on his purpose. What's his desire for us? Why are we here? Why does Calvary Church exist? What is on God's heart for us? Not just corporately, uh, as a church body, as a church family, but individually. What is God doing in us? Because we are the church. And you know, when you think of your life, we all do things on purpose. We do things on purpose. Sometimes we're paying attention to that. And other times it's just out of habit. Even if you're here today and you say, well, wait a minute, Ed, I'm more of a kind of a laid back person and, and you know, I just kind of take things as they come. Well, that perspective, that personality, you live your life on purpose. You just have a tendency to be laid back and we praise God for you. But other people, they, they take a more focused approach on making decisions with a purpose in mind. And you know, God has a purpose for his church and he has a purpose for our church. And it's always good to be reminded of why God raised up another congregation in this community. You know, we're entering into our 20th year as a church. It's just unbelievable. I started serving here when I was five years old. And I, I just want you guys to stay with me. Stick with me. We're entering into our 20th year of ministry. And it goes by just like that. In December, it was 19 years that we had finished ministering on December 26th. We marked the 19 years and we're entering into our 20th year. And some of you have been with us for a long time and some of you are just joining us. But I like to, at the beginning of a year, I, I tend to become a little nostalgic. I look back on the year of my own life. I look back at where mistakes I made, what things I, I did well. I begin to think of where I can improve and what is it, God, you want to do? And, and the year has passed and there's nothing I can do to regain it. But now what can I learn? What can I learn from the successes? What can I learn from the failures? Because I want the next year to truly be different than the last. I want to look forward and yet I want to learn from the past. And, and I was thinking, I always think in the life of our church, you know, 20 years ago, if you were to visit this corner, there was nothing here but dirt. As a matter of fact, 20 years ago, not even that church up on the hill was there. This was all a 10-acre piece of dirt. And if you visited Columbia Middle School behind us, there was no Calvary Chapel meeting there either. The, the, there was no church. This church didn't exist 20 years ago. And yet God, in his sovereign purposes, desired to plant a church here. He desired to raise up another church when there were already great churches in our community. And we always want to be reminded, why? Why would God raise up a new congregation? And there's a lot of reasons to that. And one of the reasons is you. God planted this church in this community for you and for me to use it in our lives. And we look back over the years and think, wow, all the many people we've had the privilege to serve, all the many people we've had the privilege to serve alongside of, fulfilling the purpose of God, a purpose of his church family. Now, if you've been with us for a while, none of this is really new. Today's message is much more review than it is anything fresh, but it's good to be reminded why God would raise up a church, why he would plant a fresh new Calvary Chapel so that we might be able to love people and teach them the Bible and serve them. And, and in my own personal heart, to make sure to the best of my ability 
to surrender my life to Jesus Christ so that you become the best fed and the most loved congregation in all this community. That's my heart for you. And it's good that we are here. You see, we love the past, but we live for the future. We don't neglect to remember where we came from. As a matter of fact, there'll be times, I'm sure you can look online, that I've taught messages, don't forget where you came from. It's very important. Don't forget the beginning days, or like Jesus would tell the church in Ephesus. Because listen, we never want to be the church in Ephesus. And you know, I don't think the church in Ephesus, when they got that post-it note from Jesus in Revelation, really believed they were the church of Ephesus. And here's what I mean. You, you go out to the mailbox. You never want this to happen. You go out to the mailbox, put your key in, take it out, and there's only one letter in there. It's a letter from Jesus Christ. And you're like, whoa! You run home from the mailbox, you go, honey, honey, guess what? Jesus wrote us a letter. Well, we'll open it up. Let's read it. So you open it up, and there it is. Dear Calvary Aurora, I see what you're doing. It's great. Yes, Lord. I see all your good works, and I see your discerning. And he goes on a list with the church in Ephesus, right? And you're just so encouraged. Yes, Lord, we love you. We serve you. We're going through them. We love serving you. And then he says at the end, he says in the middle there, but... And then the music changes, dun, dun, dun. But I have this against you. What do you mean you have this against me? I'm so active, doing so many great things. What do you mean you have this against me? And what does Jesus say? And I'm paraphrasing, of course, from Revelation. Jesus tells the church in Ephesus, I have this against you. You have left your first love. So remember from where you have fallen. Repent and repeat the first works. I think that was a surprise to the believers in Ephesus. And it would be equally a surprise to you and me. I believe God has brought me here today to remind us, or to at least remind some of us, it's time to wake up. We can't settle down in complacency and comfort, even though that is our tendency. I like what Pastor Greg mentioned. He says we, we can't, Pastor Greg Laurie, he says we have to be very careful that we don't just adopt a cultural churchianity, neglecting the power of the gospel. I'm like, yeah, Lord. I love the past, but we live for the future. We celebrate what God has done. We celebrate where we've come from in order to prepare us for what God is doing for what he does, we can't live in the past. We can't go backwards. We can only move forward. And as we move forward, we need to trust him. We're to look up, not back. That's what Jesus said. We're to expect him. Or as he taught us in the parable of the Minas, he says in Luke 19, verse 13, so he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 Minas, and said to them, do business until I come. That's the mandate of Jesus. Do business until I come. I'm coming again. Look up and expect me. We always live with Jesus as the anchor of our church and his word giving us the cues because he alone is worthy of our worship and commitment. Now over the years, as I've served here in this community, I've seen a lot of things come and go. I've seen churches move locations. We've done that a few times. I've seen churches move, merge together. I've seen churches change directions. I've seen a few fellowships go rogue and go heretical and not even be a true church anymore. I've met pastors. I've met men and their families that felt a strong calling to the city, a strong calling to the state, only to now have another strong calling to leave when things got hard and things got rough. 
I've seen churches grow, and I've seen churches shrink. I've seen churches come and go. And let me just say this. I pray for churches to come, and I pray for churches to grow. Do you know that we're not in competition with any church in town? You know that, right? That if another church in town grows, that's a good thing. We should rejoice. We should be happy. They're reaching your neighbors. They're reaching your coworkers. They're reaching people that we aren't reaching. In the body of Christ, when we hold to the same foundational principles, we are in unity in Jesus Christ with every two church in town. We're not in competition with them. We, we are excited for them. We pray for them. I get excited. It actually stirs me afresh when I hear about another church planner that came. And I'm like, man, what is he seeing that I haven't seen? Like, what, what new fresh vision is God giving him for our city? And, I, and this is a time, you know, when a church gets to this place, got 19 years under, under our belt, this is a time where the temptation to just coast along floods in. You know, where we have the resources that God has entrusted to us, and, and here we are. We're just moving along. But that's not my heart. I don't want to coast along. I don't want to be in a place where we just go through the motions. I'm always asking God, what new, fresh thing? I, when we get together with the pastors in the beginning of the year, we haven't done it every year, but many years, we'll talk about if we were just moving to town today and planning a church, and we have all these resources, what would we do differently? What would we do differently? What new method? What, what new outreach? God, what do you want to do to reach the people of this city and of this region? We've been blessed to be a part of this fellowship family that has such a rich heritage and a strong foundation that we love the past. And I'm grateful for the men that have gone before me. I'm grateful for men like Pastor Chuck Smith my pastor, Jeff Johnson, on whose shoulders I have the privilege of standing, of all the foundation that they've laid for us on Jesus Christ, that we're able to look back and go, man, it's so good to be a part of a healthy fellowship of believers. And with all that God has entrusted to us, all that he wants to do through us, we don't want to lose sight of who we are. We don't want to lose sight of what God's doing and how he wants to accomplish new, fresh things in our lives. God has planted this church, and it's a joy to be a part of it. And we can say with confidence that we're here by the will of God. What he has in store for us is wonderful and exciting as we enter into this 20th year. I'm thinking this. This could be the year that the Lord returns. This could be the year. Like, this could be the moment. And you're like, waiting, when, when, Lord? Come, Maranatha, even so, come quickly. But isn't it true? We get bogged down with life. We lose sight of the eternal because we get caught up in the temporary. Whether it be pain or sorrow or difficulty, whether it be chasing after the buck or changes that God has allowed into our lives that have hurt us or harm us, it could be some sin that's taken root, it could be some difficulty, and, and life begins to sap, physical life begins to sap out the eternal desires in our hearts. And we're not so excited about the coming of the Lord. We're not so excited about doing business until he comes. And you know, as a church, I just see so many changes coming, good changes, changes that will, God will use in great ways. And yet with some of the changes, some things are not gonna change. You know, before we moved here, so many years ago, we moved here 19 and a half years ago, my family and I, just the five of us. My youngest was in diapers. And I sensed this desire 
to leave Southern California to a place where there wasn't a church like this. It wasn't a Calvary Chapel ministry. You see, where I grew up, it was not uncommon to have Calvary chapels. You know, I drove to the church that we went to and we passed four or five Calvaries on the way. Very saturated in Southern California and California in general with solid Bible teaching churches, many of them Calvary chapels. And so as I'm worshiping in the room like you are, I'm thinking, God, what do you want to do in my family? God, what do you want to accomplish in my family? What, what is it that you want to do? I've sensed this desire to serve you and to be used by you. And as we were praying about coming out, God gave us a mandate to go into this city, in this particular city. You see, for me personally, in my own experience, I can say without a doubt that this work, this church is a work of God and not me. I can say that without any question because God did a work in me before I ever moved here. Humbling me, breaking me, and revealing my own heart to me, which is a very difficult thing to have God do, you know? To see your own heart. You, you know, sometimes we're praying, oh Lord, oh Lord, reveal, show me my own heart. Reveal to me any unclean thing. And when he does, it's very painful. And then we pray, well, renew a steadfast spirit in me, Lord. Change my heart. And so by the time we moved here back in 1999, God had already prepared me that not, he ripped out of my heart to do something for him. He didn't want me to do something for him. He wanted me to join what he was already doing. He wanted to be a part of his work. That's the heritage of our church. And he gave me a verse years ago, long before we moved here. He gave me a verse. This is the verse that God gave me when I moved out here. And it reminded me in John chapter 12, 21, we wish to see Jesus, that, that, there is a, that when we move to the city, there's going to be a lot of people that they need to see Jesus. Some are going to ask, most aren't going to ask, but we have a responsibility to introduce people to Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the church, to point people to Jesus. That's the purpose of why we exist, to point you to the Lord in your difficulties, in your sorrows, in your sadnesses, in your joys. It's all about the Lord. It comes from him. It goes back to him. Jesus is the alpha, the omega. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And everything about his church is about Jesus Christ, period. That's not going to change. We got to continue to look to the Lord. For some of you, that's a word from the Lord to you right now. You, the answer on your, of what's on your heart right now, how will you get through today? How will you get through this? Is look to the Lord. We wish to see Jesus. That doesn't change. And as God stirred us up to come here, we've been involved in so much. I really, if you would have told me ahead of time that we would experience what we've experienced here, I, first of all, I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have believed you. When we moved here to Colorado, I was just thinking, well, Lord, you know, first of all, it'd be really nice that anybody, I could teach the Bible to anybody, that I could just meet people. I didn't know anybody here. I could just meet some people and we can open up our home and, and study the Bible together. And we did that. And then we had a few people coming to that Bible study. And then we ended up moving up here and, and taking on a group that was already meeting. And then we changed the name of that group and became Calvary Chapel. We started on Sunday, December 26, 1999, and it blew my mind. But if you would have told me that not only would we experience the, the many people we've got to serve over the years, the families, the, the, the walking alongside all the weddings here and even the memorial services and all the outreach, all the salvations, all the lives changed, families changed. If you would have told me about the pain I'd experience in Colorado, if you would have told me about all the backstabbing I would go through, all the difficulties, all the people that would come against the ministry here, all the people who would post things and write things and say things. They're probably saying things right now. If you would have told me all of that, you know what? Just between you and me right here in this room, don't tell anybody outside of this room. I probably wouldn't have come. 
said, Ed, it's going to be horrible and hard over there. You really want to serve me? Yes, Lord, but it's going to be hard. No, I changed my mind. I'd rather stay where it is comfortable. But then God reminded me of Saul. Remember when he was saved? The message that was sent to Saul of Tarsus was, hey, tell him, I'm going to show him how many things he's going to suffer for my namesake. And so our suffering and difficulty pale in comparison. They don't even measure up to the glory that will be revealed in us in the future. And that it's all been worth it. That life change and sacrificing our lives and laying our lives down on the altar of service and sacrifice for Jesus Christ, it's worth it. And it could be that some of you today have lost your way. That you need a little note from the Lord to say, hey, I see the activity, it's religious, you know, it's habitual, but, but you're just really not pressing in anymore. You just really don't care anymore. You're just not really going after the lost anymore. You're just not really living vibrantly. You did in the past, but that's kind of how you live. You live in the past. You know, there'll be times when people come up and they'll talk to me and they'll say, well, you know, Ed, don't you remember the good old days? Good old days. And in the context of our church, you know, they might be going back to the time we were in the school. This church met at Columbia Middle School for seven years. Seven years, and I have to say, we had some good days there. Some great fellowship there. The good old days, the good old days. But you know, there's a, there's a thing about the good old days, and it really depends upon your personality. So, so if you have kind of a pessimistic personality or you have a sensitive conscience about you and you've made some mistakes in your past, when you think back to the past, you have a tendency to think about things that you regret. It's kind of a dangerous thing for you because you look back and go, man, I wish I didn't do that and I wish I didn't get involved in that and, and the Lord's always ministering. You know, there's no condemnation in Christ but our memory is a funny thing. When we think back, we don't always think back to the good old days. We think about the, the days that I didn't, had mistakes. I mean, sinful mistakes. Some of us were saved later in life and we wasted a lot of our life on sin. Now, if you have an optimi a more optimistic personality, then you think back to the highlights of life and you forget the bad things. The pessimistic guy, you kind of look to the bad and forget the good. If you're an optimistic type of person, you kind of look back and you forget, the, uh, you forget the bad and you only think of the good. But you know, it's a collection of everything in our lives. In the good old days, I always like to say, I always have a couple answers. At first I want to go, well, what good old days are you talking about? I say, oh, remember we were in the school and there was just a few of us in that room and we got there early and we were excited about I said, yeah, yeah, it was, it was good, but, but maybe you forgot about set up and take down. You know, maybe you forgot about the difficulty of getting there in time and we had to leave really fast and we could, maybe you forgot about, you know, I'll tell you, I, I, I love the memories back in the school, but I'll tell you what, the first day we moved in the school was the first day I started thinking about getting out of the school so that we could have a more permanent place to launch out ministry in our city because it was very permanent and very expensive. And so as you think about the good old days, the second question I ask you is, as you're talking about it, I would say, yeah, I, I know there are good old days, but what have you done lately? What have you done lately? How far back do we need to go for the good old days? How far back? Does it have to be a year? Does it 10 years ago? Is it 20 years ago? What are you doing now? We'll leave you to think over that very important question, and Pastor Ed Taylor will come back tomorrow to develop that point. You're listening to Abounding Grace and the first of three messages we have planned for you in the series, Loving the Past, Living the Future. 
You can hear the entire study online at calvaryaurora.org. Another way to grow on the go is to download the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. As you know, Valentine's Day falls within the month of February, and we picked out a marriage-strengthening book for you this month. It's called Married and How to Stay That Way. This would be an excellent book to read with your spouse or even read prior to getting married. It contains biblical tools to help heal and strengthen your marriage relationship. You'll not only learn to identify the problems, but apply practical solutions found in God's Word. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Again, it's called Married and How to Stay That Way. Please remember, it's your financial support that allows us to bring the teaching of God's Word to this station every day. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. You can also write to Abounding Grace, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll continue Pastor Ed Taylor's message, Love the Past, But Living for the Future. We'll see you tomorrow. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado.